Welcome back to the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Today we are talking about breakout players in fantasy football. Some of these players are a little bit older today, but that means that we believe that they are going to significantly break out from where their ADP is. We expect them to beat it. We're going to be talking about every single position today, breaking down guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, all the way to some big time players at the end that we each believe are some of our favorite breakouts in all of fantasy football. So you don't want to miss it. Ben, my co-host, as always, we'll start with you. Who is your first breakout that you are dying to talk about for 2023? I feel like I'm cheating saying that I think Garrett Wilson is going to break out this year. I think everybody thinks that. But one of the my favorite stats that I found this season is why I am sky high on Garrett Wilson. It's why I'm drafting him and treating him like he's going to finish like a top five wide receiver. I did this on a show earlier this season, but it's time to bring it back. I have two different players. One is player A, one is player B. And I'm going to read some stats off real quick. Player A and player B both had more than 11 targets per game. They both had more than 25% targets per route run. They both had about 11 yards as their average depth of target. They both had about two yards per run. Uh, player A had 12 and a half yards per reception, and player B had 13.4 yards per reception. Both of these players finished as wide receiver one. Obviously, one is Garrett Wilson. That would be player B. Player A is Devontae Adams from 2018 when he was the wide receiver one. And now player B is getting player A's quarterback a little bit older. But player B is Garrett Wilson in games without Zach Wilson. So it's going to be weeks one through three and 12 through 18. I love Garrett Wilson. I am so high on him. I really think he breaks out and solidifies himself as a top five wide receiver. Yeah, we talked about this over and over on the show, but wide receiver eight overall pace as a rookie in those games where Zach Wilson was not playing. I'm all in on him. Do you think that like Garrett Wilson is going to be affected by things like bringing in Alan Lazard, like one of Aaron Rodgers' guys, like they signed McCole Hardman, like they have all these guys. They're not t- high target share earners, but like, do you think they pose more of a threat to Garrett Wilson than the wide receivers last year did? No, we know what Aaron Rodgers does as a quarterback. He targets one guy, and that's his guy. We saw it with Jordy Nelson. We saw it with Devontae Adams. And last year, he didn't have any guys, and that's why the Packers offense stunk. Yeah, Alan Lazard led that team in target share, but Alan Lazard, I don't know that I would feel comfortable starting him in any given week because I think his target share was like 18%. So when Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are on the field together, I could see him getting a 25% target share and really breaking out in a huge way. Yeah, I think so. But to me, I think there's a guy that, you know, the fantasy community is not going to agree with this, but I am now about to move Chris Olave above Garrett Wilson in my rankings for the first time this season. Matt Ward on fantasy Twitter pointed out that Chris Olave had a better than Garrett Wilson in a number of categories, including target share, target rate, yards per reception, yards per target, yards per route run, yards per team pass attempt, air yard share. Chris Olave topped Garrett Wilson in a lot of metrics, but Chris Olave was also amazing in another of categories. He was the number one among all rookies and wide receiver fantasy points per game. He also led the NFL in receiving yards per route versus man coverage. He was also eighth among all wide receivers in air yards. He now has a big quarterback upgrade in Derek Carr, who has supported a top 12 wide receiver in both 21 and 22. But the biggest thing is the company that Chris Olave put him in at the end of last season. He had a 2.225 yards per route run and a 25% target rate. There have only been seven players ever to do it. Everybody else after Chris Olave 
was a top seven fantasy wide receiver in their second year. Every single player was top seven or better. Chris Olave makes that list. I think he makes it the next guy to finish top seven. You know how much I love Chris Olave. He's probably one of my favorite guys that I've been targeting this offseason. He was already good last year on a bottom 10 passing offense. Now he is a quarterback that supported a top 10 passing offense. The only concern I have, I think the only concern any of us have is Michael Thomas. I, I want to believe Michael Thomas won me a fantasy football championship. I want to believe he comes back and maybe does it again someday. But is the passing of the torch has that happened? And is Chris Olave the wide receiver one on this team? I think that Chris Olave is definitely like the wide receiver one on this team. Like, again, I would love to see Michael Thomas come back out and be the Michael Thomas of old, but he is now over 30 years old. In the last year that Michael Thomas finished in the top 90 wide receivers in fantasy football was 2019. We were in 2023. <laughs> We were in the fourth year since Michael Thomas mm -hmm. finished inside the top 90 wide receivers. Yeah. Is that a cherry pick stat? Absolutely it is. But for Michael Thomas, I just don't think that he is going to be that guy anymore. And I think that Chris Olave is going to cement himself as one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And besides Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara potentially being suspended, there's just not a lot of competition for targets. I think I am all in on Chris Olave this year. Man, the last time that uh, Michael Thomas was a relevant fantasy football player was before we were wearing masks and doing all that crazy stuff. It's been a long time. It feels like a decade ago. Um, so Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, both second year players, another breakout candidate in his second year. For me, it's Rashad White at the running back position. This is going to be his backfield. They didn't draft any running backs. They might go after a big name free agent, but why would they? I don't think they're expecting to be a competitive team this year. So that running back room looks like Chase Edmonds, who was a massive disappointment last season. Keyshawn Vaughn, who's only topped 10 carries once in his NFL career. And Patrick Laird. And I've mentioned on, on this show and several others that Baker Mayfield is the running back whisperer. He has never finished an NFL season without an RB1. Yes, he's had Nick Chubb. Yes, he's had Christian McCaffrey. But he's also had RB1s in the form of Kareem Hunt and uh, Cam Akers last year from weeks 15 to 18, where he was the RB2 overall averaging over 102 rushing yards per game with Baker Mayfield. I just don't see how Rashad White can have the season he had last year where he was already a top 12 receiving back, see 73 vacated targets in the form of Leonard Fournette leaving. And that was a, a really bad offense in 2023, but they also passed the ball a ton because of Tom Brady. Now I think they're going to be running the ball a lot more than they did last year. This is Rashad White's backfield. He's going to break out. Don't forget, Rashad White was the number one, had number one receiving grade um, in his 2022 draft class before he came in as a rookie last year. Baker Mayfield, I noted the other day on Twitter, had the highest percentage of passes to a running back last year, 29%. A lot of people in the mentions were saying that is more of a Christian McCaffrey stat than anything else. But do you believe in Rashad White as a pass catcher? And do you think that Baker Mayfield will continue to target running backs at that high of a rate? Because if he does, I mean, that is surfs up for Rashad White in the fantasy football world. Yeah, Baker Mayfield is probably one of the elite running back quarterbacks where he checks the ball down a lot. 
historically they've been really good rushers as well, which I think that's the concern with Rashad White. Will he be able to run the ball as well as Nick Chubb? Will he be able to run the ball as well as Christian McCaffrey and Cam Akers? But I don't see why not when he was already so efficient on the ground last year. He was very efficient and garnished a lot of volume through the air. And again, 73 vacated targets through the air for Leonard Fournette. We know that this team's not going to pass as much next year, but let's say it's, you know, half of that. That's an extra 40 targets that we can expect Rashad White to have next year. Yeah, another guy for me that is a breakout candidate, and I know he's older. He's going to be 28 years old this year, but it's Aaron Jones for me at the running back position. I know he's older, but again, this is going to be he breaks out much past his ADP. Aaron Jones, one of two running backs in the NFL to finish as a top 12 running back in four straight years. And people say, well, you know, it's all because of the snaps and he's getting all the work. Last year, he was the running back 10 on just 57% of the snaps. He was super efficient. Graham Barfield of Fantasy Points pointed out that he is one of three running backs that were top 10 in missed tackles forced per carry in both 2021 and 2022. The only other running backs to do that were Nick Chubb and Ramondre Stevenson, elite company. Aaron Jones also was third last year in fantasy points over expected. He was eighth in red zone targets, and he's also demanding those targets at a high volume every single time. He is one of two running backs with double-digit red zone targets in three straight years along with Alvin Kamara. Can't get enough Aaron Jones. At what point, if at any point, does the age start to concern you? You know, I know you were putting out a lot of threads last year about how the RB1 is typically younger than the age of 27. And yes, Austin Eckler was older than that. And I think that's, you know, a point in the favor of Aaron Jones this year. But A.J. Dillon has really thick quads. And I think that we know that he's a really talented red zone back, too. Are you concerned about his involvement with the offense at all, considering Aaron Jones is getting up there in age and might be an injury risk yeah i think one of the one of my lessons that i learned really quickly from last year is i had a lot of tweets about how these 27 or older running backs like just don't seem to produce very much in fantasy football and aaron jones is definitely one of those players but what i did not take into account is just how a draft class can matter that legendary 2017 draft class that aaron jones is a part of was historic and i think those running backs are going to continue to just rewrite the record books of aging running backs in fantasy football and i think that guys like aaron jones are going to be a big part of that I'd like to agree with you. I really love Aaron Jones. He's been a top 12 running back for what it seems like for forever. There's a quarterback who finished as a quarterback one last year. And I think we're kind of discrediting him. I think he's primed for another quarterback one season, probably doing even better than he did last year. And that's Tua. If Tua stayed healthy last year, he was pacing for the fifth most passing yards and the eighth highest scoring offense. He did break out a little bit last year. He was the QB 10 in points per game. And now we're all doubting his ability, but I think that's because of his injuries. His health is the concern. He took some nasty, nasty hits, but there's an endemic in the NFL with concussions. It has nothing to do with Tua. It's not any more likely to happen to Tua than any other quarterback. And when you take a look at Tua last year, statistically, Tua led the NFL in yards per attempt with 8.9 yards per attempt. That was a top 10 number since 2002. It's in the 99th percentile. Wow. As if that isn't enough, because he he had more yards per attempt than Patrick Mahomes. If that isn't enough to describe his talent, consider this. Of the 20 quarterbacks who have led the NFL in yards per attempt, only two of them have a single QB1 season. So in the, in the last 20 years, 18 of these guys led the NFL in yards per attempt, 
and eight and continued to be a top quarterback. The two who weren't was Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles and RG3, whose career fell off. But we're putting him in the same category as Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Burrow, all guys who led the NFL at some point in yards per attempt. It's not a stat you earn by accident. So just just to make sure that I'm I'm understanding as well, like based on how far Tua was throwing the ball last year, everyone not named Nick Foles or RG3 was just an absolute dynamite fantasy quarterback later on after putting up a season like this. Yeah, I mean, you heard the list that I read. Yeah. It was two years ago that Joe Burrow led the NFL in yards per attempt. And last year he was the QB four in fantasy football. Like, I think people are going to discredit Tua and say like, oh, well, you know, those deep bombs, the Tyree Kelly gets yak from Waddle. Sure. But there are multiple facets to the offense. And Tua was an incredible passer last year. You can't take that away from him. Yeah, I think a guy that I like even more, I, I really wanted to pick, you know, Trevor Lawrence uh, as my breakout for this because he's going as the QB eight right now. And then you see right above him is Justin Herbert going as the QB seven. And to me, I am buying that all day, every day and twice on Sundays. Justin Herbert in his three seasons so far finished as the QB nine as a rookie, the QB two in his sophomore year. And it was the QB 11. But Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen was only there for half the year last year. And then they add in first round wide receiver in Quentin Johnston. They really mm -hmm. didn't lose anybody on this offense. And then they add in someone like Kellen Moore, who was the Cowboys offensive coordinator the last few years. In every single season for the Cowboys, the Cowboys were top two in the NFL, top two out of 32 in neutral pace. So this offense can be running at a faster pace. They're going to have Keenan Allen back for hopefully a full year. And then they add in arguably the best yards after the catch talent in the entire NFL draft in Quentin Johnston, who almost every player on defense so far in OTAs was raving about his role in this offense and what he's going to do. So if you add in a first round talent, in addition to Justin Herbert already putting up top tier finishes in fantasy football, just imagine what he's going to do in just his fourth year. I cannot get enough of him. I think Justin Herbert is going to finish as a top three QB this year. Yeah, and it's easy to see why when we consider that the last two seasons, the Cowboys with Dak Prescott have been the highest scoring offense in the entire NFL. The wow. big problem with the Chargers is that they're not good at scoring a ton of points. They get a lot of yards, but they're not, you know, maybe they're scoring a lot of points, but they're letting it up on the defense. They're not winning a lot of games. And I think that this year could finally be the year, hopefully the year that they put it together and start scoring a ton of points like the Kansas City offense. But I'm a little bit skeptical just because they Justin Herbert, when has he proven that he can win football games? And now I know football, you know, wins aren't a QB stat. That's my only concern with the offense. Completely. No, I'm, I'm completely with that with Justin Herbert. But the problem that I, I think that I'd like to bring up is just that, again, I think it was more of an offensive coordinator problem. I think that Joe Lombardi was more sure. the, the suspect behind it. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But to me, I'm going to believe in the new offensive coordinator that has been on yeah. teams that put up a lot of points. And exactly. that I'm going to truck in that with a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, they're going to score a lot more efficiently. But it will remain to be seen. We'll go back to you for your next breakout. Absolutely. My next breakout is going to be Samaje Pirine, who he will break out if there is no Javante Williams. He is primed for a breakout without the Javante Williams. Last year, we heard Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan say that if Joe Mixon misses time, which he did, then it will likely be a committee approach. And that's not the way I remember it. 
I remember Pirine having four times as many snaps as all the other running backs combined. And I'm not in a position to speculate if that's because of the coaching or if it's because of something they saw in Samaje Pirine. But in that time frame that Joe Mixon was out last year, Pirine was the RB3. And now without Javante Williams, he will be the bell cow back in this Broncos offense because Tony Jones Jr., the other running back, he has 67 carries over three seasons. And Tyler Beatty didn't make it through Baltimore's practice squad last season. As if that's not enough for me to be like, yeah, Samaje Pirine's really interesting. Some uh, Sean Payton and his running backs. 2018, Reggie Bush led all running backs in points from receptions. 2011, Darren Sproles led all running backs in points from reception. 2013, Darren Sproles and Pierre Thomas, top 10. Alvin Kamara in 2017 and 2020 led running backs in the form of receptions and as a matter of fact from 2006 to 2021 and excluding 2012 because sean payton was suspended that season the saints had over 400 more fantasy points than the next closest team to the running back position holy moly that's insane so right now real quick let's just pretend for example javante williams is a setback he is Mm -hmm. not going to play the whole season and we know it next week how highly would you draft samaj p run considering they don't bring in dalvin cook they don't bring anybody else. It is just Samaje P. Ryan with those other running backs in the backfield. How high would you be drafting him? I think that I'd probably be taking him in the first three rounds if we knew for a fact Javante Williams was not coming back. You're talking about a bell cow. If you know that he is going to see the most volume out of anybody on this team, because Javante Williams will come back, right? He, he's going to come back this season, but it doesn't sound like he'll be ready for week one. And I think that's why I'm saying Samaje P. Ryan could still break out without that volume because if he puts up incredible numbers for the first three weeks of the season and Javante Williams' efficiency drops, he's struggling, he doesn't look like that same flashy player that we're used to, Samaje Pirine is going to be the 1A in this offense, and I think that he'll break out in a really big way. Yeah, I love that. That's really interesting. Um, I Obviously, Javante Williams is probably going to come back, but maybe Samaje Pirine is someone I need to be looking into personally, but someone that the rest of the people on their draft boards needs to be looking at is James Conner. I don't know why he is still the most underpriced running back in all fantasy football. Keep in mind, the only running backs behind James Conner right now are Keontae Ingram and Corey Clement, who have never surpassed 100 touches in a season. James Conner, over the last two years, averaged 17 touches per game. That's cute. But Kyler Murray has missed eight games over the last two years, and James Conner has averaged 22.5 fantasy points per game over those eight games, which would be the number one running back in all of fantasy football in both 2021 and 2022. Still not convinced. Five straight years. Five years is a long time, Ben. James Conner has been a top 25 running back in fantasy points per game for five straight years. He's been in the top 10 of three of the last five years. He has been a top 10 running back in fantasy points per game in two straight years. And he's being drafted as the running back 28, which is lower than he has ever finished in points per game before. I know injuries are the concern, but just saying James Conner has played at least 13 games in four of the last five seasons. I cannot get enough of James Conner right now. I hear you on James Conner, Alex. I really do. But... I think part of the reason James Conner has been fantasy relevant is because of his touchdown upside. He was scoring a ton of touchdowns. And right now I have Clayton Toon slated to be the starting quarterback for this offense. And perhaps that's why, but my projections model has them as a bottom three offense in both yards and points next season. How is James Conner going to subvert those expectations and still be an elite running back when this is not going to be a good offense. 
Yeah, I think the simple thing is, like I mentioned, he averaged 17 touches over the last two years, right? So over since 2013, there have been 79 running backs to hit 280 plus touches. That is 16 and a half per game. 100% of those players finished as a top 20 running back. So if he hits that, it's automatic. He'd have to be the first one out of 80. 83% of those players, 66 out of 79, finished as a top 12 running back. And 53% of those players finish as a top five. If he hits that number of touches and he stays healthy, he is a lock for a top 20 running back. It does not matter about touchdowns, offense. It is simply, is he going to see the ball that many times and he'll produce in fantasy football? If he sees the ball a lot, I'm with you. To me, it's a huge question mark. Um, We're going to move on to the tight end position. And the weird thing about tight ends is there's only so many guys that I think you can talk about as being breakouts. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about a tight end and Alex is not. I'm going to talk about Chiga Kunkwo, who I think he's really the only tight end that I'm thinking this year could break out in a really big way with an honorable mention to Sam Laporta, who I've been talking about over the last few weeks. Tune in to last week's episode where I talked about him. Um, and shout out to Nick Bonifard, uh at Nick Bonifard NFL of the 3013, because he's the one who got me sold on Chiga Conquo last year. But now I think that we need to start looking at Chig as like a real viable option at tight end because he had 2.65 yards per out run for true media sports last year. That was a smidge higher than Travis Kelsey who had a 2.24 and his career high is 2.51. Chig Okonkwo last year, better than Travis Kelsey in that metric. And that is the highest mark by a rookie in over 10 years, ranking ahead of guys who entered the NFL like Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, and Zach Ertz. And last season, Chig was also sixth among tight ends on fantasy points per game started. He was in elite company with Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Hawkinson, Kelsey, Fryermuth. Those were the only five guys above him. Now, I'm going to talk about Traylon Burks in just a minute, and I am going to sell you on this offense on why Chigakonkwo and another Tennessee player are going to break out. But first, Alex, tell me about a wide receiver you're really excited about. Well, real quick, before we talk about the wide receiver, I, I want to add on to Chigakonkwo real quick. I just want to give right. you two, two things that you need to keep in mind of when drafting Chigakonkwo. Number one, he put up that 2.6 yards per route run as a rookie. That's the highest mark all time for first-year tight ends. That's cute. He was the number one all time. Maybe it was low efficiency. Every other tight end that averaged over 2.0 yards per route run as a rookie has a top six finish in fantasy football at the tight end position. There's been four others. Every single one has a top six finish in fantasy football that has run at least 150 routes in their rookie year. I am very in on Chigakonkwo. That is a pretty elite company to be in. But speaking of elite company, how about Elijah Moore? I think could join elite company this year. Going into this past year, he was one of 14 wide receivers to have an 80-plus PFF receiving grade as a rookie. The other 13 players have now all had a top 14 finish in fantasy football in their career. Not even points per game. They all have finished inside the top 14. Elijah Moore is is the only one that hasn't. Beyond that, there were three guys that joined that list to take the sample size to 17. Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson and Drake London, who I think most people would agree are all some of the best young talents at the wide receiver position. So that is 17 players now. And Elijah Moore is probably the only one right now that is not on pace to have that top 14 season. He now has the best quarterback of his career in Deshaun Watson. Beat reporters have put emphasis on unlocking Elijah Moore as a clear wide receiver too. 
And he's also just one of the most talented wide receivers I think, that we've seen come in just despite his height. I mean, Scott Barrett of Fantasy Points pointed out that, you know, since 2017 of the top yards per route run seasons, the top five of those players in yards per route run for power five wide receivers is number one, Javante Smith, two, Jackson Smith and Jigba, three, C.D. Lamb, four, Elijah Moore, five, T. Higgins, elite company, Elijah Moore, draft him outside the top 40 wide receivers. I absolutely hear why you're high on Elijah Moore, and I don't think you're incorrect in what you're saying. But as a fantasy football player, I like to be a little bit safer in the later rounds. And maybe that's my strategy uh, that I shouldn't be following. But Deshaun Watson was a shell of who he was years ago. And Amari Cooper was incredible before Deshaun Watson started being the quarterback for this offense. So now not only do we have to bank on Deshaun Watson looking like himself again, but we also have to bank on him preferring to throw the ball to Elijah Moore over Amari Cooper. Tell me where my thought process is wrong, maybe, and tell me why Elijah Moore is still going to break out this season. Well, for one, Elijah Moore right now is going as the wide receiver 44 in fantasy football. Like that is mm-hmm. not a super high price to play. The other low. part of it is Deshaun Watson and any season that he's played at least eight games has finished as a top five quarterback. Like he played <laughs> six games last year and like people yeah. are ready to end his career. I don't like, again, off the field stuff aside, he is going to be playing in the NFL this year, whether people like it or not. Mm-hmm. And every single year that he's played at least half a season, he's been a top five quarterback. He played six games last year. People talk about, oh, is the weather or whatever it is. Like, that's fine. But Deshaun Watson also had his best two games his last two, last two games. You know, he yeah. didn't look good. But how about the fact that he had his two best finishes to finish out the season? Again, who knows with Elijah Moore. But right now at that price tag with a quarterback that has been historically really good and is just two, 27 years old, I cannot stop drafting Elijah Moore. Do you have anything else? Yeah, to to add on to that with Deshaun Watson, too, I was just talking a few minutes ago about Tua and how he led the NFL in yards per attempt. Deshaun Watson led the NFL in yards per attempt a few years back. I think it was in 2020. But since then, he hasn't played a full season. He held out in 2021. He played, you know, just a few games last year. And for me, it's hard for me to really take a look at a quarterback and say, yeah, this guy's going to come in and he is going to look like how he looked. We were just saying how 2019 is a really long time ago. 2020 is a really long time ago, too. I want to be on board with this offense, but I'm nervous. And I think it's okay to be nervous. Maybe your league mates are nervous. Maybe you want to capitalize on your league mates being nervous and beat them. Uh, and if you really want to beat your league mates, you need to be drafting Trey Longburks. He is, in my opinion, the guy that is going to, without a doubt, exceed expectations this year. I found, this is, I think, the craziest stat I found all offseason. Last year, without Burks on the field, the Titans ranked 31st in EPA per dropback. That was better than just the dumpster fire Houston Texans. But with Traylon Burks and Ryan Tannehill on the field, because remember, they both missed time last year, they ranked second in the NFL in EPA per dropback. They want they went from second worst in EPA to dropback to second best. And that's a very meaningful stat with two of their three best players off of the field. That really forced them to be one-dimensional with Burks off the field because the Titans saw 58%, the most in the entire NFL, of their rushes versus an eight-man box. That's because of Derrick Henry. But when he was on the field, they only saw an eight-man box on 23.5% of their snaps. That was bottom three. NFL defenses, once he was off the field, did not care about this offense. 
at all. And obviously we're assuming independence, but still, uh, sorry, independence between like the different variables that we're considering here. But the Titans will not be one dimensional in 2023. They have probably one of the best running backs in the NFL, if not the best, a quarterback who has been very, 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 very good for the past four years, except for last year. And a guy who's literally just A.J. Brown, except younger. I, I love Traylon Burks, and this offense is going to take a step, major step forward with all of their key assets healthy. Wow, I'm really excited to see that. But what about for Traylon Burks specifically with what this offense could be? Like, let's let's say in a perfect world, this offense is going to be really good this year. Like, they're they're going to be a lot better than people think. What does that look like, and where does Traylon Burks and Chigakonkwo finish? Like, in, at, at its ceiling this year, where do you see those two guys finishing at the, their absolute peak? I think that they'll both finish top 12 at their position. Now for tight end, obviously that's wow. not hard, uh, but Traylon Burks, I would put him somewhere around the uh, 10 to 14 range. I think that he oh, probably finishes right around 12 because this was a team who was since Ryan Tannehill took over as a starter third in EPA per offensive play, just behind the chiefs and the Packers. If we exclude last year where Tannehill was not healthy. So for those three years from 19 to 21, this was a top three offense across that's, the entire that, NFL. That's pretty good. I, I can't disagree with that. We will agree to disagree. We'll probably have more conversations about Traylon Burks after the show or in future podcasts. But my final guy for today, none other than Christian Watson, someone I've really come around to. Remember at the beginning of the show, I mentioned how Chris Olave was one of those players with a 2.25 yards per route run and a 25 plus percent target rate as a rookie. Christian Watson was also one of those players. And if you remember... I said the other five players to ever do this all finished as a top seven wide receiver in points per game in their second year. Christian Watson made that list. He joins Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. Only players to do that with Chris Olave. The Packers also have 258 vacated targets that are gone. They have the third most targets available inside the 10-yard line. Christian Watson as a rookie was also top five in air yards per route run with Kyle Pitts, Chris Olave, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and himself. And then he was also number one in fantasy points per target of any player in the entire NFL last year. This man also, to top it all off, second highest athletic score of any wide receiver over the last 35 years that is not named Calvin Johnson. Uh, Chris, Christian Watson's really growing on me. If he gets targeted enough by none other than Jordan Love. I think that he's going to have a massive year this year. So I had two Titans. I had Traylon Burks and Chico Conquo, and you're talking about two Packers. You're talking about Aaron Jones and now Christian Watson. And I think that it's really going to come down to obviously one of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong, or maybe not. Maybe these are the two best offenses in the NFL next year, but Jordan Love doesn't excite me. I spent a little bit thinking about would he be the player I talked about as the breakout quarterback this year? And I just, there was nothing I found on him that got me excited. The only thing that got me excited wasn't even a, a Jordan love thing. It was that the, the Packers are probably the only team in the last two decades who went from an elite quarterback to another elite quarterback. Can they do it again? I don't know. It's really hard to hit on quarterbacks. So the fact that they've done it twice, maybe they're really good at evaluating talent and they can do it a third time. Do you have anything that you can do to sell me on Jordan Love? I don't have anything I can do to sell you on Jordan Love. The only thing that is selling me more in this offense, because I was very out on, on this offense in the past, was just the fact that like I like in terms of just pure volume, which is what we need from Aaron Jones and Christian mm -hmm. Watson, regardless of Jordan Love's QB plays, that like all the beat reporters have been talking about in this offseason has just been the fact that 
this is an offense that people expect to be able to run a lot faster. Like these Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers led offenses were almost always among the slowest in paces, letting Aaron Rodgers diagnose the defense where this team is probably going to be a lot faster pace. That is the hope. Jordan Love is obviously the X factor, at least in terms of Christian Watson, but I'm willing to believe in this offense and that Christian Watson will be a historical outlier if he does yeah. not have a really big fantasy season this year. But I think that is that is it for today with the breakouts. Don't forget, we'll be back next week on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Don't forget to tune in for every single episode of the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, turn the bell notifications on for all that podcast goodness that will be coming out each and every single week. But until that time, keep chasing that upside each and every day.